Have you ever made a scary choice in your business, like to raise prices or to pivot or to stop doing something that used to be really successful for you, only to find that the pivot wasn't as smooth as you anticipated? If so, keep listening to this coaching episode we are doing with Alexandra, who has been doing wedding photography for 14 years, but recently pivoted into motherhood and family photography, and it's been a little bit bumpy. So we chat through some different options for her, some mindset things that came up. I think you might be surprised where the conversation goes. So thanks for everyone that comes on this podcast and does the coaching episodes with us. We really enjoy it so, so much. If you want to apply to be on this podcast, you can apply in the show notes to get coached on one of these episodes. So it's completely free to you and it is so helpful for everyone else as we're listening and relating to your story and we just really appreciate it. So here is the episode with Alexandra. Um, okay, cool. Do you want to just like introduce yourself really fast and give us a little brief history of your business? Because you've been in business for a long time now, right? I have. Yeah. I'm Alexandra Grace of Alexandra Grace Photography. I did weddings for 14 years and now I'm kind of pivoting my business to do um, some branding work and some family work. I do miss weddings a little bit. So maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but I love like creating magical moments for moms that are really busy. I think, you know, childhood, when you're in the middle of raising kids, it doesn't feel magical, but I want to pull out those moments um, to help them remember because moms work so hard to create that for their kids. And I want to kind of show them the results of their hard work. Yeah. Like you're doing it and you're doing a good job. You know, the, the laughter, those funny moments, um, the hikes, the sunrises, all of that. I want to kind of like make like a permanent spot for those, for people's memory. I love that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I was even thinking about that this month. Cause I'm like, my husband's getting better about taking pictures of me when we're traveling or when we're all together, but I'm still like, there's so many really beautiful photos of y'all. And <laughs> right. <laughs> I want yeah, to, you need to jump in the frame. <laughs> I know. Like I want to be remembered too. So that's such yeah. a gift that you're giving people. Okay. But so you're doing weddings for, you've been in business for like 14 years, right? That's right. And I was doing weddings that whole time. Um, and I stopped kind of um, abruptly without much of a plan because of my daughter's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it just became very clear to me that, um, she felt very insecure and she has some emotional issues. And so it just was really clear that I needed to be more stable and home on the weekends because I was traveling for weddings. Um, so that's one thing maybe I want to come back to with you later is that I feel like when you kind of climb the ladder of like weddings and you get into luxury, it means you are traveling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think with parenthood, that can be kind of hard. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So maybe paint the picture of what your business looked like before you were traveling for how many weddings a year and your daughter was young and you were charging about what, and like anything that you don't want to share is totally fine, but maybe just to give context, anything that would, you know, what it looked like before, and then maybe where you're, you know, we'll move into what's happening now. 
Sure. So I would say at the end, I wasn't doing a ton of weddings because I had already started kind of hitting the brakes. Um, I was charging around like 7,000 to 9,000 range. And I was traveling um, for about half my weddings, I would say. So I'm located in Oregon and I would have like about half of my weddings in Oregon and Washington. And then about half were travel, like um, the Caribbean, Mexico, um, kind of destinations like that, which, you know, I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity and those experiences. And it just kind of coincided at a a point in my life. I mean, the pandemic started and I became a parent at the same time. That's a lot of changes, Alex. (laughs) So many changes. it was really rough on my family, just that we, we were foster parents at the time. And so there was just a lot that came with that, that needed kind of my special attention. And so I kind of hit the brakes and jumped. <laughs> In 2020? Yes. Kind of between 2020 and the, ne- and the following couple years are when I made that big pivot in my business. And I'm surprised that now in 2023, I'm still not feeling like I've landed from that. Yeah. 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 What, um, I guess when you were thinking through the pivot, what did you hope it looked like? Or, um, like, did you, did you get burned out of doing weddings too? Or it felt like this was, you had to do it for your family or it was kind of a combination of both of those things. Right. It was kind of everything at once because near the end when I was getting into kind of that luxury market it started to feel like the weddings were all about like detail photos and getting published Mm -hmm. and I had one particular experience where it was the most challenging wedding of my career and I think I did a really good job solving the problems that were in front of me and then at the end the couple emailed me and asked me if I had a photo of the napkin, the cocktail napkins that had a special like design on them. And it was just a simple question, but I think it kind of put me off because I jumped through so many hoops at that wedding to make stuff happen for the couple. And I was surprised that that's what they were looking for in the gallery instead of like the sunset and the bridesmaids laughing together and people laughing at the toasts, like, I see those as really valuable. And I, of course, do detail photos, you know, at the beginning of the day, especially, but I think I just kind of hit pause and thought, am I in the right place? Am I in the right job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that frustration and just like people feeling disenfranchised with the wedding industry sometimes too, or maybe our, our values have evolved or what really feels important to us has evolved. And maybe our client hasn't quite evolved with us and that could be so frustrating. So I totally get it. So it was like that happened. And did you just kind of like burn it down (laughs) a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. That one, it was really rough. Um, they were not unhappy with their photos, but I was unhappy with feeling that I had kind of climbed this ladder that was in front of me and then thinking, you know, why did I do that? Why did I go into this category of weddings when 
maybe like a nice backyard wedding would really be more my style and I could give a better experience to my clients if I'm more excited about their wedding and more happy with like our values would be aligning Mm -hmm. with what they want out of it rather than that kind of getting published detail photo kind of goal yeah yeah so does it feel like similar a similar problem coming up now with families or what feels like the stress and challenge with what with um, families now that you've pivoted so I've really enjoyed the family photos that I've been creating for the past couple of years. I've been kind of seeking to create that same romantic wedding photography look, but for moms. So they're getting up at sunrise, they're meeting me in the middle of a field of wildflowers, and it, it feels like that kind of magical romantic scene. The problem I'm having is that I just don't have enough of those clients to make up the income that I had before. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess I know everyone's situation is different. Is that putting like a real big strain on your family? Is it feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to go get a job or whatever. I don't know. Like I know I've had all of the thoughts myself too. So yeah, totally get it. (laughs) I think because when I started my business, I was young, you know, I was 21 and I didn't have kids (laughs) and the economy was very different. And so with all of that together with now, you know, I'm buying dance shoes for my daughter and, you know, putting her in dance classes and um, groceries are so expensive. I do feel like a little bit of not regret, but I do kind of look back on that decision to leave weddings and think, oh, wow, I walked away from an income and now things are so much tighter. Like that's pretty crazy timing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know we we've been joking in one of my coaching programs. We're like, remember the days when everything cost a hundred dollars and now everything costs a thousand dollars. It's like one thing breaks and it's a thousand or like you go out to yes. dinner. And, I mean, dinner's not quite a thousand, but you're just like, everything's so much money. <laughs> so true. We've had to replace a few of our appliances and that will just, you know, we look at our monthly budget and we're like, okay, so we didn't plan for that. And it's happening, you know, a few times in a row and, um, yeah, yeah. So I would say I'm kind of looking at my income, like in a different way compared to when I was 21. And I was like, yay, I'm growing my business. It's so exciting. And now I, I need the money. Like it's a real job, not just an exciting thing to grow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, it's easy to look around and get, um, you know, discouraged or compare or whatever. But I remember for years, I would be like, I need this to be profitable. It seems like a lot of people don't, and that's great for you, but like, I need to pay right. my bills here. You know? So it's like, right. but we are all running businesses and need them to be profitable and need to pay our bills. And, um, you know, I could get up on a soapbox all day long about how many people make women feel bad for wanting to um, like charge sustainable rates and yes. feed their families. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Facebook posts where people are looking for a reasonable price. Yeah. I just just want to ask, like, what is unreasonable about charging profitably? But I just don't think it's easy to get in the mind of a a business owner, you know, when people just don't realize the expenses. Yeah. 
Totally. Or the amount of volume that you would have to do to keep up with a reasonable price, you know? So that's um, true. Yeah. And maybe you could even lower your prices and then not even meet that volume. So then you wouldn't be profitable at that point either. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I put reasonable in quotations. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> we all know that's not reasonable. reasonable. <laughs> um, okay. So feeling like it's marketing potentially is a big holdup or, um, I know are, are there other things you're considering now too? I guess if you were to look like six months from now, a year from now, what would you ideally be doing? What kind of money would you be bringing in? What would a month look like for Alexandra Grace Photography? So one thing that I've realized looking back is that I always specialized a lot because that was the advice that I was given. And I think it's good advice to get good at something at the beginning, but looking into the future, I would kind of like to be doing a variety of work. So instead of doing just a certain number of weddings or a certain number of sessions, I would love to do a few of those things like maybe one or two weddings a month and maybe four or six sessions a month. I would love to also do some weekday work and move some of this out of the weekends. So that would mean maybe working with business owners to do like branding photography, which I've done a couple of them and it was so much fun. And it happened to be with people that, you know, I really got along with great. So it was kind of easy in that way, but looking into the future, I would be so thrilled to have more branding work to fill in like the weekdays and be home with my daughter more on the weekends. Yeah. Cause that was the original goal. Right. And has it like no judgment at all? Has it accidentally <laughs> like still been on the weekends with the family work? Yes. I've still been doing weekend shoots. Um, I think I, have a hard time saying no to work when I'm like needing work and when that's people's availability. So yeah. I'm still kind of developing that boundary of, you know, which days am I available and how do I get people to book on weekdays, especially when I'm not even getting enough inquiries in the first place. So I don't really want to be that picky. Yeah, no, I get it. And I I get how that must be like really conflicting too of, like you feeling like you have to choose between putting food on the table, so to speak, or like, yeah, it feels, it feels like a very difficult choice to have to make, I guess. And so kind of freeing up your schedule a little bit and how's your daughter doing? Is she, is she feeling better? Is it still really challenging? Well, it got better with her, but now that she has started preschool, we have a whole new set of things to work through in therapy with her. I need to basically keep demonstrating that I'm not going to leave her because she has had an experience in the past that makes her think, you know, that adults leave. And so, you know, when I go and I do a one hour photo shoot and come back, that's great. And I love that I get to come home and put her to bed and everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So the, I mean, the weddings still probably feel like something you don't want to do a huge number of just because of the amount of time that you would be gone. I think in my dream world, I would do weddings really local to me and I live in a really beautiful place. It's very green here. So I think if I'm not pursuing those 
you know, luxury, like destination weddings. I mean, as much as those are amazing, <laughs> but if I could do weddings, you know, there's venues 30 minutes from me. Yeah. And I need to figure out a way to market, you know, to that kind of specific style of like the really earthy, dreamy, like forest weddings. I think that would be a happy spot for me. Well, and y'all have to go check out her work because everything is stunning. And I'm just like, I want to go run through like the mountains with you. That looks yes. amazing. Just casually hike a mountain wearing a wedding dress. I mean, why not? Why not? If you're feeling burned out or stuck in your creative business, we want to invite you to join our self-paced business coaching course, Danger School. It's full of audio and video lessons, plus a workbook, templates, and coaching examples and assignments. So you can break out of pricing plateaus, reignite your joy in your business, and bring in financial abundance. Our clients have been able to double and triple their revenue, create more space in their personal lives, land dream projects, get major features and give back to their communities. You can download and listen to these lessons on your phone, just like this podcast. And we have lots of clients who go back to certain sections again and again, when they need to break out of a rut, you can find this course and all of our coaching offerings at dangerschool.com. Now back to our episode. Well, I mean, I I think the other thing, and I don't know, you can push back on me is sometimes we can also like say, you know, oh, we make like a big shift to solve one problem and it creates another problem, but maybe what we wanted the whole time was something different. So like an example, (laughs) this you can, if you're like, this is not me, Kristen, be quiet, whatever you can say that to me. But, you know, so if we're like, stop weddings so that we can spend more time at home and not work with luxury, difficult clients or, you know, quote unquote, difficult clients, you know? Um, but also there could be a, like another solution. I'm not saying that there is, but there could be another solution too. If you did super values aligned weddings a couple times a year, figured out how to bring your family along or like a trusted family member to be with your daughter while you're traveling. So just like, you know, sometimes, cause I do this too, where I'm like, this needs to be exactly this way. And my, my kind of free lifestyle right now is like five weddings a year where I just go all in and then I don't have to do any other weddings the rest of the year. So just so, I don't know, even considering other options, does that ever feel like, Hey, if there were kind of five really values aligned clients that were paying you enough to bring your whole family along, would the, would that feel different or would it feel all the same? Do you think? Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Um, I think one thing about the luxury versus kind of hometown also is like that pressure where the pressure kept getting higher and it was such a production. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also one reason that, um, I wanted to tone it down and maybe, you know, I made some decisions out of fear, you know, looking back and recognizing that. Um, But to answer your question, I think you are kind of hitting the nail on the head. Like I see things almost as all or nothing. And so I thought, oh, well, 
this isn't the direction I want to go in and therefore I shouldn't do weddings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a natural, that's a natural decision to make. I can't tell you how many times I've like laid in bed to my husband and been like, I should stop shooting weddings, you know, I'm like right. have to kind of take a second and <laughs> relook at the whole situation and not that you have to go back to them, but I think that a lot of times there is a third way for us that we don't see when we're kind of in the middle of something like really emotionally challenging. It does like the more emotionally challenging something gets, the more black and white our brains make it. That's just a a thing that they do, you know, thanks brain. (laughs) Right. I wonder how many people had that experience during the pandemic where they made a decision um, in that kind of black and white zone. And now we're starting to get into some more nuance and we're looking at, like you said, maybe there's a third option. Maybe there's a way to do this. That's not all or nothing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think it's, um, I think our whole, I mean, you could look at our whole country slash society that keeps getting more and more polarized. So I I do think it is like, um, a, it's a courageous choice to look at different ways of doing things or not going a little bit against some advice maybe you've heard or something that worked for you in the past, you know, that maybe doesn't work the same way that it used to. So, I mean, I guess with, with hearing that, like if you could do a couple days a month, you're hiking at sunset with families and you have a couple weekday shoots where you're working with a brand that matches your aesthetic and Every once in a while, you're getting paid five figures to do a wedding that that doesn't feel high pressure, you know, because I think that's the other thing, too, is Mm. is I've been I've been paid 20,000 for a wedding that felt high pressure. I've been paid 20,000 for a wedding that felt like the easiest wedding I've ever shot, you know, so I think that there's also some gray in there, too. So, I mean, does some of that schedule feel like how does that feel for you? Yes. That sounds perfect. That sounds like a dream. (laughs) And it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the five figures and it being like challenging or a good fit, because I think I do kind of have a mental block around, you know, once um, a contract is, you know, higher than $10,000, I feel like there's this kind of different expectation on me, even though I, of course, am doing my best for every job and I'm you know, putting in all the work and putting in all the passion, but there's something about crossing that line that then I'm almost like avoiding it in a way because I want to avoid that kind of pressure that feels like it's on a different level. Yeah. I mean, leaning into that, like does $10,000 feel like a large amount of money, a small amount of money. What was, what would your relationship with that be when you were growing up? Like, would that have felt like a large amount of money to your family? Do you have any yeah, it's, it's definitely a big amount of money to me. And I think in some ways I'm getting into my client's head and thinking it's a lot of money to them. And therefore mm-hmm. like, I better come through. I better deliver. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I know there are people that can afford it, but you know, it's, hard for me to like get in that mindset. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I think that is one of the biggest blocks that a lot of photographers have 
including me at different points and at different spots where I'm like, this feels like such a gigantic number to me that it must feel that way to them. And we have to like do the work to coach ourselves around um, numbers, like numbers becoming normal, um, which can bring up a whole host of like emotions and past experiences around money and family stories and even like financial trauma. Uh, It can all come up when we're trying to be like, 10,000 is a lot, isn't a lot of money. Cause there's a voice in our head that's like, but of course it is, you know, <laughs> but, but just for like some context, you know, if say someone, the more I've gotten into learning about investing and stuff too, I think this is so interesting. So I'm like, if someone has a million dollar portfolio, which is like fair, you know, it's, it's not all true. You know, it's like kind of in the middle somewhere. So if someone has a million dollar portfolio, and um, it's invested in the stock market. And so it's going to go up and down with the stock market. It could go up or down 10, 20, 30, $40,000 in one day. Like it could start at one and go up and then come down. You know what I mean? Is I'm like the amount. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> right? No, right. But like this, this has helped me with my pricing because I'm like, this could be a couple days of an investment return for someone that they're paying me that they're not like their money is working for them. And that could be what's coming to me. That's like one, one perspective is when you start seeing things that way. Uh Um, Cause you know, when, when I started my photography business, I had been in nonprofit work before that. So I made 30 grand in a whole year. And Mm -hmm. so 10,000 was like a third of my year of work. It was such a giant number. And I think like when we're working with people in a different, um, in a different income bracket, than maybe we are, we've experienced, or we've been around, we have to start seeing numbers differently. And I think that can like help us feel more secure in asking for it instead of thinking I'm asking for someone's half of their paycheck, you know? Yes. I do think that's how I see it. I see it as a similarly significant amount that it is to me for that other person. And of course you can't really get into other people's wallets, but you, that's just how you see the world. If that's your own experience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, I think it's, have you done much money, money mindset work or like work around kind of expanding your vision of what some of that could be? No, I think I need to. And I think that kind of um, talk and that kind of, you know, learning about mindset is very like foreign to me because of like the way that I grew up. So in some ways, it's not really that I don't want to do it. It's more that I don't know where to start because that's like kind of a brand new way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I um, I think it is for a lot of people and um, starting to kind of like stretch our own perception of things can be really helpful in our business because we a lot of times we're not even aware of how um, a certain number might be holding us back. Cause when you're like, yes, as soon as I charge 10,000, I layer on the pressure onto myself Uh and I'm projecting so you can stop me. But like, (laughs) 
I disappear for a week because I'm so stressed about the wedding that I'm going into and I disappear for the week after. And now I feel like I gave up two whole weeks of my life from my family because of this wedding, because of this pressure, right? Is any of that like hit? Yeah. Even when you're saying that, like I'm feeling it right now. I'm yes. feeling- I feel stressed like, for I'm like, oh, I remember why I left weddings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not to be a Debbie Downer, but that will, that could come up with family work and could come up with branding work and with any other kind of work that you do as you bump up against your own, like pricing glass ceiling. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, for sure. I think that's kind of where I'm getting stuck is how do you move forward in your career when you're almost like afraid of the next step because you think that it's like too big? Yeah. Yeah. Um, give you some book recommendations. And one of them that I really love is the big leap. We send it to a lot of our coaching clients. It's by Gay Hendricks. Um, and he kind of, we can talk about this here too. He kind of, um, theorizes that a lot of us have, a, um, a glass ceiling that we perceive to be there in our own growth. Like all of us have it and it's at different spots for different people based on what you've experienced, who you've been around, who's been open about what they make or what they charge or their life experience, you know? So we all kind of have these ceilings to our own success and happiness. And there's some reasons that we keep ourselves from going through those ceilings from like rising above them. And one is like, um, you tell me which one like hits you is like fear of being rejected by your community. So for example, when I was in my twenties, I loved talking about the deal I got at target and all of my friends were also just out of college and we were musicians and we were all broke and we related on how broke we were. And we talked about how broke we were. And so if I all of a sudden started making money, what does that do to my community, you know, or I I worked in a church. What does that do to my morality even, you know? Right. Like the perception of you, you're thinking about how you're being perceived. Yeah. Like would my community reject me if I grew? Right. Right. So community, um, feeling like we, um, we don't want to outshine other people. A lot of times if you are an older sibling, possibly you have this of like, you did a good job, Alex, but like, don't be too good because you'll make like someone else in your life feel bad. Hmm. Um, So that can be one or feeling like fundamentally flawed. Like there's some reason why we can't grow or can't succeed. Like there's always going to be something holding us down just the way we were made. Um, So those are some of the ones that he talks about. I don't know if any of those like jump out at you at all. I think I relate to some of those, um, but I think maybe possibly the bigger problem is my worry is that if I grow to a certain point that then my expect the expectations that are on me are higher. And so then can I fill those expectations? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the fourth one actually, is that like, as you grow, you slash the job becomes a bigger burden. Yes. I think that is kind of the main like emotional thing that I'm in, that I was experiencing when I was in my 
wedding photography journey was, you know, how, when you're at the beginning and you raise your prices and you grow your portfolio and you keep going, I don't know what point it was, but at a certain point I got worried about the next step and maybe it's that, you know, um, five figures. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, some tips for transcending a next step is one, and this is a money mindset exercise. A lot of people would tell you to do is to really normalize that number. So when I've done this with 10,000, I've done it with 50,000, I've done it with a hundred thousand, you have to do it with each kind of new jump you make, but like is to find things that really normalize it. So for me, when I was doing this with 10,000, we had a deck that was falling down. It was like a tiny deck and it was on the back of our house. And, um, a guy came out to give us a quote. He was rude to us. He looked at me like I was a child. I mean, I probably was, I was like 25 and he quoted $10,000 to fix this deck. Hmm. No emotional, like wasn't giving me anything emotionally was like a tiny deck. Like I just was like, if this guy can charge 10,000 and barely care about telling me this number, then like, I know what all goes into my work. I know what goes into a portrait session with a family where we spend all day together or a wedding or a commercial shoot or whatever. Like I can definitely charge that. Or, um, we, had uh, a little farm. It was like a five acre farm. This was our, this was our pandemic decision that like we ended up changing. So we like moved into the woods and I was like, we actually don't like living in the woods. Um, we, okay. So you have a pandemic decision too. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we all do. Oh my gosh, we all do. Um, and it had like this really long driveway and had potholes all in it. It was gravel. And we were like, we need to get this fixed. And so we had this guy come and fix the driveway, re-gravel it, $10,000. I kid you not, Alex, the next week it rained and I watched $10,000 wash into the woods and was just gone. (laughs) You know, I'm like, (laughs) nothing. We lost $10,000 of gravel in like one week. And so some of those experiences, I'm like, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm not a bazillionaire. I watched that money wash away. Mm -hmm. Like it, I, I, maybe these stories don't make sense, but it like normalized this number to me of like that, those things that didn't really make that much of an impact on my life cost Mm -hmm. this amount of money. Yes. We as photographers are not only creating things that are going to last forever, but like our energetic ability to be there for people, the way that we are artistically documenting it, like, heck, say $10,000 for family photography that you're doing now, you know, like, why not? Why can't you charge that? It's like definitely $10,000 worth of value, you know? So if that can just disappear and there be no lasting value for me, why am I saying this is not that valuable? That's true because think of how you're going to feel, you know, decades from now about the photos that you have of your family right now compared to something that you could buy, like a driveway that washes away. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I mean, you can like, I would just, 
if you're, if you want to grow beyond that number, I would just start noticing things that cost that. And to some people, it'll be worth it to spend that on a, on a purse. For some people, it'll be worth it to spend Mm -hmm. that on the plants in their front yard. To some people, it'd be worth it to spend that on photography. Yes. I love that. I'm writing down what you're saying. I'm like taking notes. I'm going to start practicing that. Cause, um, and, cause I do think, I know we're going to talk about marketing too, but I do think that like that can be a big thing because once you take away the pressure of certain numbers for yourself, um, and feeling like you have to over, over, over deliver, um, you'll be so much more freed up to take a backyard wedding for $10,000 when it feels good. Mm-hmm to take that elopement to Hawaii when you can take your family and you're paid well for it and it feels good to charge that for a branding shoot that you're really excited to do, you know, it'll just free you up so much more. It's so hard to imagine that becoming a reality. <laughs> I mean, it just, it it's proving to yourself little by little and also seeing evidence of it in the world. Um, so being around people that are charging the amount that you want to be charging that are building their business in a similar way that you want to build your business. Cause our minds, our minds create a whole reality based on what we see. And so if we start seeing evidence, and that's what I mean with these different things that cost that amount of money, when we start seeing evidence that it's possible for other people or for ourselves, um, that like, this person charged that for an elopement or that person did it for a branding shoot. It starts becoming more normal to us. And we don't have such a like emotional block around that price or that number or that type of shoot. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, I mean, I, I have a private Instagram. That's just my friends that can see my kids. Or my kid, I have one kid. Why did I say kids? I don't know. Um, you can see my kid, but I only follow people that expand me in there. So I follow people that are living the kind of life I want to live, that have the freedom that I want to have, that are charging, you know, anything that feels inspiring. I put it in there just because we, we are like rewiring parts of our brain as we're doing this work, which is why we get that emotional reaction to certain things. So Yeah. It does feel like I need to rewire because there's things that are kind of default the way I think like, Oh, that's definitely expensive or that's definitely impossible. And, you know, I know that what you're saying is true and you have the experiences to back it up, but it is so hard to like kind of plant that into my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one, one person at a time, one piece of evidence at a time, and even just like keeping record of your own proof of things being true. You know, um, do you like writing? I don't love writing, but I think it does help me remember things more when I write it down. So I do try to practice that when I'm like learning, taking classes, even like listening to podcasts. I'll like write stuff down. And even if I don't look at it later, it helps me remember it just because I wrote it down. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you know this because you have a kid too, but like we can, and I just think about it so much as I'm raising Hudson, I'm like, I could teach him that the world is a bad, scary place, which sometimes it is. Or I could teach him that there's lots of really beautiful, kind people that want good things for you. 
And maybe there's a little bit of both, right? But like, I can choose to stock his mind with evidence of one or the other. Right. We can do that. that. Yeah. And then you start to notice it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So anyway, I, I just make really little notes and with money, because money was one of my biggest blocks, especially I was single parenting for a while. I had all kind of, I came out of religious trauma. I like had all these things. So I would just write down little pieces of evidence that people were good and that money was everywhere. So okay, I'm someone, this down right now. <laughs> yes. I would say if you do anything, do this. One <laughs> buys your coffee, like your friend takes you to coffee and buys it for you. Write that down. That's evidence that people are good and that money is everywhere and that it's coming to you, that it's coming to you in certain ways. Um, someone books you for your highest package. Write that down. Someone out of the blue does a print order from a session you did years ago. Write that down. Um, someone sends you a referral, like a photographer in your community sends you a referral, like write that down, whether or not the person books. So okay. it's, yeah, then we start to be, we start to see the things that are coming towards us instead of the things that are leaving us. I'm kind of like noticing a pattern in like what you're saying. The opposite of that is like when I'm scrolling through social media and I see a lot of negativity and then that's what's like in my mind. Yeah. And of course I know that, but it's this almost like habit. So you can like know that it's not good for you, but still be in the habit of like, oh, you know, I'm waiting in a waiting room and I'm just scrolling on my phone. But then my mind is filled with like the top 10, like worst news stories of the day. I do that too. I had to stop this week. So I was like, all I'm seeing is the bad and I'm getting jaded. And that is, that's not good. Cause I, you know, there's always going to be hard things in the world and our hardest day is not behind us, I'm sure. And so if we're having a good day or a good season, like our kids are healthy and happy and our business is doing its thing, even if it's slow, like we have to cling on to the good day because like not every day is going to be good. So when we have them, we got to, you know, hold on to it. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like I need to practice what I preach because I'm encouraging my clients to remember those good times. So it's a good reminder that I need to also do that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So um, money mindset stuff, but also now that we've kind of opened up to other options, maybe it's a wedding, maybe it's a portrait session for even more than you've been charging. Oh, and before, before we hop to that, like, yeah, it's the same thing with, um, with things that we take on that make us believe the opposite too. So photographers are saying the economy is bad. No one's booking. We're going to internalize that and it's going to change our actions or no one books family photos in Oregon. They just don't prioritize them. We're going to internalize that. And so I would say just like every time you feel that, or you see that start looking for evidence of the opposite, because there's always, always both exist. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a good point. Like you, you can find whichever one you're looking for. Yeah. And they're like, a, they're like the Michael Scott quote or whatever that he like steals from that one guy. He's like, you, whatever you miss every shot you don't take or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. I'll just write that on my whiteboard. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Kristen's meeting. Kristen's meeting. Yeah. I just cross out Michael Scott. Put Kristen's yeah. Um, okay. Well, so 
sky's the limit now, right? We have options. We, um, how good do you feel on ideal client? And do you think that the ideal client can exist within these three different types of photography? Yes. So I think that's going to go hand in hand with the money mindset (laughs) because I can picture my ideal client being like a creative type. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't always come with the budget that maybe someone that's a really like corporate type. Yeah. Or I, so I had, when I was dating, I had a coach and I said to him, I was like, I can't date anyone that is not already a parent, like has their own kids because they just won't get it. They won't understand why parenting is so important or like the time that I want to prioritize with my son. And he goes, is it that you don't want to date another parent or you don't want to date someone that doesn't really value family? Oh yeah. So like I could have cut out this whole genre of men, you know, (laughs) that like if I hadn't re like flipped that. So I wonder for your ideal client, do they have to be in a creative career or Mm -hmm. could they really want to be creative, but they're a lawyer or have really good style, but they are a doctor. So it's interesting you bring that up because when I've been looking at the people that have hired me in the past, um, it's oftentimes been someone that has some connection to me because I've put like all of my eggs in one basket with Instagram and social media. And I did not do all the SEO and blogging that I should have been doing all that time. And so because of that, my clientele is very similar to me. So I think we're kind of getting into that, you know, when I picture my ideal client, it's the people that I've worked with that maybe it's another photographer, maybe it's a florist or someone that works in the wedding industry that's hiring me to photograph their family. And I feel that they like value my work and understand the creative process. And so that's been a really good experience. But all of that to say, I don't really think that I have had a lot of experience being hired by someone that's in a really traditional, like white collar job. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we break what has worked for you for 14 years and go (laughs) scrambling for SEO strategies and things like that, you said the closest thing to your ideal client is you. And what are you charging for your family sessions right now? So $1,200. What would it take? What would you need to hear from a photographer or what would you need to see from another photographer for you to spend $1,200 on your family photography? What would I need to see from a photographer? Um, what would convince you to spend that right. for your um, photography? Just a consistent portfolio and a personality that I think I could get along with and be at ease with them. But what else? Because I'm sure you have some of those people in your life. And are you consistently hiring them for $1,200? Am I? Um, Oh, like, am I my ideal client? (laughs) No. No. Well, I mean, you said a lot of times your ideal client has been similar to you. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, what else besides just a consistent portfolio, like, 
what would make you feel safe to spend, to invest that money in your family photos or in something else, or, you know, it could be something else you need for your business or a website or a this or a that, like, what would, what would you need as your, as a type of your ideal client to be like, yeah, that is worth the money and me working extra or me going without this other thing or whatever, right. To make this happen. I think there has to be a lot of trust there. Um, trust that that person is going to come through and that, you know, they back up their photos and that they take care of everything and that the editing style will be timeless and, you know, not out of style 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So a lot of it is that timelessness and also like the trust that that person is creating a safe space for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. The safety and things like that would be really important to you. Yes. Um, is there anything in your, anything else in your business or client experience, or even just the way you talk about your work that could instill some more confidence if there was like a client similar to you looking to hire you? Oh, you're asking some good questions. I'm like, dig it in. <laughs> I think people maybe don't really know what the experience will be like when they're photographed and maybe they're even dreading the experience because you know it's all eyes on you and you're used to being kind of in the background and you don't know what to wear and you don't know if the photographer is going to pose you in a flattering way and so I think people have all those questions and it's one of those things where it seems so obvious to us because we've been photographers for years so we know that we're gonna do (laughs) the right thing by our clients but maybe we don't know how to communicate that clearly because we're not in their minds yeah yeah have you ever used this just popped into my head have you ever used video as a tool to communicate any bit more about the experience or what it feels like to be on one of those sunrise hikes with you um aside from just reels on instagram (laughs) No, not in any official kind of way. I post a lot of like behind the scenes on Instagram, but I don't think I've done anything that's super intentional in showing like, hey, client, this is what it's going to be like with me. I guess it feels a little intimidating to think of myself like demonstrating something, you know, speaking directly to the camera. Um, But I would love to hear more about this idea. Yeah, I just, I, it popped into my head because I was like, the way that we do, um, you know, people do wedding videos or we do coaching case studies for when we advertise our coaching programs, as I wonder if like speaking to some of those concerns, to the trust, to the experience, like having even client testimonies running over some beautiful B-roll of you walking through the mountain, you know, I'm just, yeah. I, I think that your business is so much closer than you think it is. And while I don't think SEO is bad to invest time in or anything like that, um, I think like when, if you had something that was so clear and you were so proud of to put everywhere, I, and you work on some of these money blocks, I don't think this is going to be 
a forever sticking point for you. I think you've always been good at marketing and always been good at referrals. You know, do you think so? I think I'm just filled with so much doubt in the past couple years when a lot of the time before that I had a lot of confidence and a lot of excitement. And in some ways, I don't know where the doubt came from. I think it might have something to do with when you're not working as often, there's more gaps for that worry. And when you're really busy working, that momentum can kind of carry you. And for me, it kind of inspires me actually to be really busy. (laughs) Yeah. So pivoting to motherhood, you know, it's fulfilling in a different way, but it's left a lot of gaps in my like understanding of my own work and my own mindset. And there's been times when I haven't even known what to focus on, like what to prioritize in order to move forward. So I'll think, oh, I should make, you know, a page on my website for branding photos and I should work on SEO and all these things. And then I maybe am not completing any of those because I'm really scattered. Yeah. I mean, that's so natural. And with, I mean, with marketing, there are a million and one strategies that can be effective. And the biggest thing is just like choosing the one that you feel is the most sustainable for you and that you've pointed to evidence of it working for you before, you know, and I think I don't know what worked though. It was working, but I'm not sure what was working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe going back and looking at some old inquiries, even if they're wedding inquiries, um, you know, I think, I know you just started your email list. I think that's a great move because you can stay in touch with people. Um, And I think like probably showing and telling why this kind of experience is important with you for you um, and with you and talking about it a lot is probably going to be important too. And, and yeah, like SEO, I think the, probably the challenge, I know for me, when I've, when I've been um, in a place where it feels like things aren't moving, the like indecision of which way to go is the, is the biggest thing keeping me from rolling, you know, like, I think I'm at that crossroads right now. And if I, if I knew what I needed to do, I would have no problem, like staying up late at night, working on weekends, you know, like I can work hard, I can hustle, I can make it happen. But if I don't even know (laughs) what to focus on, then it kind of turns into like a lot of tiny tasks and none of them really have like a particular due date. And then none of the bigger projects are getting done. Have you done personal work in a while? No. I mean, I shoot rolls of film here and there, like of my daughter. And I'm actually like kind of teaching her how to shoot film, which is really funny for a little five-year-old to try to hold a big, you know, medium format camera. That's so amazing. (laughs) I think that's the closest thing to like personal projects. I haven't done something like an editorial in a long time. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a few options on the table right now. And like, I've always, I always say this to myself. I'm like, a moving car is so much easier to steer than one that's not moving. So like, what if you do an editorial and you don't see direct inquiries from it in a month? Right. So what? At least you did something, right. you know? It was just like, like creative juices flowing. <laughs> yeah. Or if you started learning about SEO and it takes a while to kick in. 
So mm-hmm. like just keep the the trick is to keep moving and keep like acquiring mm-hmm. skills and feeling inspired. And you are, we kind of already mapped out what would be that dream year for you or dream calendar for you. There's nothing stopping you from doing those things now. It's so hard to imagine when like the inquiries have, you know, dried up so much. I don't know if it's like this season or if it's like because of the changes I've made in my business, but I would love to have, you know, all of that variety of work if I had like the clarity on how to get from like point A to point, like, but maybe between now and like next summer, you know, to kind of be like zooming in on that. Okay. Well, let's pick like a strategy for each type of photography. Okay. Weddings, families, Mm -hmm. and branding. Yes. Um, so not to like, I'm, I don't always like to just give direct advice, but like, (sighs) Weddings, you have 14 years of connections that you can go back and be like, hey, I'm doing some weddings. Here's the type of weddings I would really love to do. I appreciate you thinking of me for the future. Okay. You've got past wedding clients. You've got past vendor friends. You've got past um, like photographers that you probably share referrals. And I think the trick for you, Alex, is like, this is not Alex takes any wedding anymore. This is <sighs> Alex is the picky bee who's going to only take the weddings that are really aligned with you and that are right. going to make you feel really good to do them. Right. Okay. Yes. In theory. <laughs> <laughs> so I would write down, I would say like, and instead of maybe being like, it has to be, you know, in France or something like that would be great. Sure. But maybe like the, couple has to be kind. Hmm. They have to respect what I do. They have to be more interested in the people at the wedding than the details at the wedding. Right. Right. And make a few little frameworks. And you're like, and I can't take more than one a month because I'm not doing that to my family. It's right. not going to work for now. So you set your hard and fast rules for your weddings and then you do right. their reach outs. Does that feel, does that feel like something you could do or feel good about? Yeah, I think it's a really good goal to set. Um, Which one's would, the goal? The goal of um, reaching clients that are like a really good fit and kind of drawing that boundary. Um, I'm definitely curious about like the work that I'll be putting in to, you know, reach my ideal clients and to get those inquiries of people that are kind and focused on people and they have the budget for a luxury like wedding photography. Yeah. But I think you're throwing up some walls before we even get to it. Right? <laughs> yeah, I probably am. <laughs> the weddings have no pressure because right now you're like, I'm doing families. So like if you get a, if you get a $10,000 wedding, awesome. If not, that's fine. Right. You weren't counting on it anyways. Right. So I think like the thing, the thing that we can control is like, we have the, the goal and then we have the process goal. And so you can set the process goal and be like, I'm going to reconnect with five people this month that okay. were from my wedding world. And I would set a goal like that instead of, yeah. goal. <laughs> right? I know I tend to do that. I tend to go too far into the future and then think, 
of how it won't work or how, you know, I'm like limiting myself by like getting to the next step. Yeah. It's that's so normal to do. And I'm like, ah, I, because I didn't make a million dollars this year, I'm never going to do it. And so I need to just <laughs> now, you know, like, or whatever, you yeah, know, the all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I think so. I'm all or nothing too. Um, and I think that, and you can like move out of that. I think the process goals really help is like, okay. it's like setting a habit where you're like, you can do every day. I'll reach out to one person or on Mondays, I'll reach out to five people and you yeah. set like a goal like that. Okay. Does that feel right? Like I love it. Okay. Yeah. Because then it's not the end result that I'm trying to like perfect it before it even comes but instead I'm like giving myself steps to get there yeah exactly and it's like it's like throwing out a boomerang and like we don't know exactly where it's going to come back from I also you know if you've listened because you said you've listened to this podcast I relate everything to dating and (laughs) like I heard you say that you wanted to like be a matchmaker (laughs) (laughs) you really do I love it we should talk about the bachelor franchise after this (laughs) Please, I'll replace Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey on Love is Blind anytime. No, I'm just kidding. Please do. (laughs) Um, But the, like, if I was to say to you, if I was single and I was like, Alex, do you have any friends you can set me up with? Does anyone come to mind? Oh, I would like ask you what you're looking for. I feel like I would want to grill you and ask you like 20 questions to figure out like your dream person. Right? Right. Okay. Cause then if I was like, okay, I, could you set me up with a friend? I really like going on hiking dates and I tend to like people that, um, are adventurous and want to travel and that can laugh at themselves. And I tend to like older men, you know, if I start like Mm -hmm. listing things like that, right. Do more people come up into your mind? Yes. Either I would like immediately know who to like introduce you to, or I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be on the lookout for that person. (laughs) Right. And then it's fun for you and not like, oh my gosh, what if I assume something and she, that's not her type or whatever. Right. 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 So if I'm not clear, I actually create more anxiety for you in my ass than, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So get specific about what you're looking for. And that actually helps people help you find them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. Okay. And remind yourself to look for evidence that people are trying to connect to you with good things. Okay. Okay. So that was weddings. Let's do families and then branding. So going to do the same thing where we pick like a marketing channel to then set like a small process goal with. Okay. Okay. So families, what feels fun for that to do? (laughs) I think I would love to kind of show people what it's like to do a family session. Um, This isn't really something I've considered before because I thought that the correct answer was SEO and blogging. And I do have a lot of knowledge that I could write down and make, you know, a blog post about, but, um, my passion isn't there. I don't know if people are even reading them. <laughs> like, why am I spending my time doing that? I don't know. But I do feel like if I could show someone like, Hey, here's what 
I do when you arrive at the photo shoot and here's how I solve the problems with kids that are shy or kids that have a lot of energy. Like if I could show not only my expertise, but also like how truly excited I am to do that. I wonder if that would help my potential clients to like picture themselves in that experience. Oh my gosh. I think so for sure. Because I think that we like, we see all the reasons why a shoot like that is so valuable, mm-hmm. but a family sees I'd have to drag my husband up at sunrise, or I'd have to make sure my kids weren't sick or, you know, we, the families see the challenges. And so when you can show the delight and the beauty and how much stress you're relieving and anticipating, Mm -hmm. like that's beautiful. Okay. So show the experience and you brought up a good point that they're going to have those kind of questions or problems or what ifs pop up in their mind. And if there's a way that I could, you know, figure out the like five or 10 most common ones and like answer them in a way I've been doing that with blog posts, but I'm kind of wondering now if I could switch gears and somehow answer that, like in a video, either of like me talking or me like showing, I don't know how I would even do that, but my gears are turning now. I mean, there's a million ways. I would do the one that flows the, the easiest for you because um, cause like I think family photography has become a thing of joy, but you don't want it to continue. You don't want it to like fall into this place of dread, like keep it where you're having fun. You mm-hmm. get to go out and shoot in beautiful places. And I'm we don't know each other very well, but I'm guessing that there are some things you're really passionate about too, that you could combine into this in a way that's really generous and really life-giving. And I think that, um, you're going to find a way that this is like, so it serves multiple purposes for you. I would love that. Yeah. I, I definitely care a lot about it. I care a lot about my job and sometimes I wonder if it's too much. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, we we care. You care. It's obvious. It's obvious that you care a lot, which is why when it's not flowing, it's so painful. It is. Yeah, it feels like it's such a big part of my life, and I don't want to just make it a smaller part of my life. But I do want to find some balance so that I have a healthy relationship with work and not just feeling that, oh, you know, this is failing just because it's a slower season, and then having an identity crisis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Identity crises are so 2020. Let's move past it. Leaving that behind. (laughs) Leave it behind. And they're done that. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So a process goal around the video and the experience, what would like a small clip a week feel good? Would setting apart a day and having a videographer friend do all of it with you in a day feel good? What would be like the process goal you could set for that? I think I was picturing like a clip a week, but I I do also really like the idea of kind of professionally producing something. I think my hesitation there is that I don't want it to feel produced and feel not real. But if it was just like an iPhone clip of me talking and explaining, maybe there could be that casual 
feeling where I'm like connecting with people. Cause I know that when I see people on social media and they're not as polished or, you know, they're, they're being um, casual and conversational that does build trust with me and it makes me kind of like them and relate to them more. So I would love to figure out like how I can communicate what I want to communicate in that way. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I think if you're doing it that way, get like, try to think through getting vertical and horizontal. So if you do want to make one for your website or do a voiceover over something, like you have options you can go back to. Okay. Smart. You've thought this through. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. And so then we also branding. Let's talk about that really fast. Um, because this is a newer part of your business, but could potentially be a really fun and lucrative one if done right. Right. So, um, have you ever, have you ever pitched yourself before? No, I've never pitched myself. And I would love to talk about this with you. Cause I think, um, we talked a little bit about how I do have some, um, retailers in mind, some small businesses that like are really geographically close to me and that, you know, I'm a customer there and I feel like I could really help them because I see that they don't have like as much visibility as they could, or maybe they're not as comfortable with Instagram as I am. So I do feel like I want to jump in there. Like I want to help them, but how do you go and tell someone like, Hey, your Instagram needs some help. (laughs) Well, I mean, think about, think about like the, like that's probably true, but also you really want to work with them. Right. And you just told me how excited you would be to collaborate with them. Everyone likes to hear that someone wants to work with them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I do want to kind of build that collaborative energy. Yeah. I think the, so the trick with pitching, I mean, we could talk for months about pitching, but I think like the, the trick with pitching is to, um, is to just be really light-handed about it. Of, okay. like, I have this idea about working together. Let me know if you ever want to talk about it because I love okay. I love what you guys are doing, you know? Gotcha. Uh, and then your work is to let it go once you do that. Because okay. the worst thing you can do with pitching, not saying you would do this, but this is what yeah. I did for years. <laughs> worst thing you can do with pitching is to put it out there maybe not get an answer or not get the answer you want immediately assume that everyone hates you. And that that was a horrible idea to pitch anything and like never do it again. That's like the worst case scenario is to never do it again. Because pitching (laughs) is just like asking people on dates. Like you're not going to marry every single person that you ask on a date, but if you stop going on dates, it's probably going to be hard to find your soulmate, you know, the dating analogy again. I love it. It works for everything. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it literally works for everything. Okay. So this is like, you know, if you're on the podcast, you can't see me, but I'm just like, Lala, Lala, I'd like to work with you. Let's go on a date. You're really cute. You know? So just like hmm. be light about it. And again, okay. realize this is an experiment and, um, and like it takes, time and it takes like the timing lining up for both parties. So doesn't mean you did anything wrong if they don't say yes immediately. Okay. So if that conversation does continue, um, do you recommend like setting up 
kind of a monthly membership for, you know, for branding clients so that you might have like a few smaller shoots over the course of the year, rather than them just hiring you for one branding session. I guess I'm thinking of, you know, the changing seasons and how that comes into play with the businesses that I have in mind. Yeah. I love a retainer client. I think retainer clients for branding or for commercial work, super great, especially for those of us who worry about money. Um, Retainer clients are great because, you know, you have a consistent amount hitting your bank account each month. I would say like you can always give it as an option, but also you could be like, let's do a shoot together, have Mm -hmm. an idea for a retainer. So you have images seasonally, but let's just like, see if you like working together. And then we can go from there. To kind of like start the relationship with like, let's see if this is a good fit and maybe demonstrate the value too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's all like, it's all, you're already good at this stuff. And the more that you get back out there and do more of it, it's, it's like riding a bike, you know? So I'm like, it totally makes sense why you feel like the car has been stalled. You're, you've been through a lot and a lot of changes and like, just remember that it is going to keep flowing as you keep moving. And that even if the first thing you try doesn't work, just the fact that you tried, there'll be a new step that presents itself from there. And it'll keep going as long as you, you imagine the rug unfurling as you go, instead of imagining the stone sinking as you step. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a cool way to think of it. (laughs) And I do think that you've really kind of like figured out the problem is that like, lack of movement, then, you know, that loss of momentum makes it so hard to like take a step in any direction because I'm like thinking about which direction to go in. Yeah. We all do it. Oh my gosh. You should see inside my head. It's a mess. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope this has been helpful. I've had a really good time chatting with you. You too. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your time and like your open-mindedness to kind of hearing about this crazy path that I've been on. And yeah, I've, I've like a good list of things to start with. Good. Well, you're so talented. So like, please keep going and, um, like throw out whatever thoughts are holding you back when you can, because, um, your work is just really stunning and it would be, um, yeah, I just like, I hope it continues to grow and be a really good thing for you and your family. I do too. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's fun spending the time with you. Um, let me know if I can ever help with anything else. I will. Yeah. I'll be in touch and I definitely want to, um, hear your thoughts on all the reality TV going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't watched The Golden Bachelor, but I need to because I think everyone's talking about how charming it is. Yeah, I think it that kept popping up in my mind when you were making your dating analogies. <laughs> the Golden I was Bachelor. Like, we need to talk about The Golden Bachelor. <laughs> it's just so different from everything else on TV, and so that's a conversation that. there. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kristen. Bye. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. 
Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shammy D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time.